There is one person in Jamaica's music history that has never been given his due credit is a man who some consider the godfather of reggae, Joe Higgs. The unheralded mentor and inspirator of legends such as Bob Marley, Bob Andy and Derek Harriot, it is his musical alchemy in the primordial echo chamber of reggae that continues to resonate throughout history. Joe Higgs was an interesting disruptor from birth. Born on the same day as Curtis Mayfield, Joseph Benjamin Higgs took his first breath on June 30th in 1940, Kingston, Jamaica. Joe was born in a set of triplets, the son of a fireman. His mother eventually had 23 children, including two sets of triplets and three sets of twins, all boys. His natural tenacity for music was nurtured in the church from a very early stage and when he got bored with singing, started to learn a range of instruments, eventually settling with the solace of the acoustic guitar as his first love. A fateful meeting with the principal of the Michael Practicing School for Teachers, a Mr. Ivan Shaw would see him entering the teacher's college in 1956 eventually becoming a certified music teacher in 1958. That year, Joe Higgs settled in a small bungalow at 9 3rd Street in Trenchtown, an address that would become one of the most iconic creative hubs in Jamaican music. A connection in 1958 with Roy Wilson at an audition led to the musical partnership Higgs and Wilson and by the following year, the duo delivered their first debut single, I Long for the Day, on Edward Siaga's World Records in Caribbean to find its way to the UK via Starlight Records and back home the success of the single would catch the ears of Cox and Dodd who used Roland Alfonso to front the rushed production My Baby on a Cox and sub-label but the single fizzled. 
Edward Siaga would sign Joe Higgs after the ordeal and the duo returned in no short order. In the summer of 59 with the Jackie Edwards penned track O Manio for world records backed by Ken Richards and the Comets. One of the seven monikers used by Cluett Johnson's Blues Blasters Band. Released in 1960, the single O Manio hit the UK on the Blue Beat imprint, soon finding its way stateside on the short-lived Time Records label, and by the end of that year had sold close to 60,000 copies across the transatlantic. The duo would continue cutting tracks for Edward Siaga's world records throughout 1961. However, they would step outside of the box and drop the single Mighty Man for Supreme Records, a sub-label for Cox and Dodd. You mighty man, I want you to see You don't know what you're doing to me A loop or a flop to the top, to the top of your cap You do it things that you should do it would seem the move did not go down well with Siaga, and by indications from the World Records catalog, the duo never recorded with the label again. And as a matter of fact, no producer in Jamaica attempted to release a Higgs and Wilson in the island until 1963 the year Joe's contract expired with Edward Siaga. Joe Higgs took his downtime in stride and opened his home to youths within the Trenchtown community who showed an interest in music. For those that stayed, the moments spent with Higgs would prove to be legendary. Under the tutelage of Joe Higgs, Bob Marley would meet Bunny Whaler and Peter, and by the summer of 1963, Higgs had shaped the trio into the three-part harmony group, dubbing themselves the Teenagers. In 1963, Higgs and Wilson would record the single, There is a Reward for Cox and Dodd. The track would be initially released in 63 on the Studio One imprint, followed by a second reissue on the Coxon main label in the spring of 64. The pattern of the releases, though, became a growing concern for Higgs, who was very business-savvy on copyright and royalties. For him, something seemed to be amiss. If the track made Coxon no money on the first run, why release a second run on a different imprint? Higgs would approach Coxon in regards to his royalties for the single, and Coxon replied with his infamous knockout punch, leaving the small-framed Joe Higgs cold on the Studio One floor. The incident would leave him with bouts of severe headaches for the rest of his life.
In the summer of 1964, shortly after the incident, Joe Higgs would quit his job as a teacher, abandon his home in Trenchtown, and leave Jamaica for New York to explore his stateside options. That very same year, Bob, Peter, and Bunny recorded the debut single, Simmer Down, for Cox and Dodd, beginning their journey as the Whalers. Joe Higgs came back to Jamaica sometime in 1967, but instead of returning to Trenchtown and Beat Street, opted to work on the North Coast Hotel circuit as a lead vocalist with Lynn Tate and the Jets. During that period, he would pen the song Steppin' Razor for the 1967 festival song competition, but his entry was rejected and Higgs returned to his North Coast gig. But luck would smile on Joe Higgs. Ken Curry of Meritone Records would spot Joe Higgs performing at a hotel on the North Coast and was impressed with his acumen. Ken would record the Joe Higgs singles in 1968, backed by Lynn Tate and the Jets, and the single quietly became a dark horse, selling in the thousands among Kingston's smug, middle and upper class music lovers. Once again, Joe Higgs had found a buzz on Beat Street, but this time around he stayed far from the noise, choosing instead to remain on the North Coast circuit with Lynn Tate and the Jets. But not long after the Ken Corey release in 1968, noted artist producer Clancy Eccles sought out Joe Higgs and encouraged him to make a return to Kingston which he did in 1969 and reunited with Roy Wilson for the Higgs and Wilson classic again. The single was released on the B-side of Clancy Eccles' 7-inch single, Open Up, on the Hammer Sound label, and the duo would continue to drop hit tracks on the B-side of Clancy Eccles' releases throughout 1969. But things took another turn for Higgs when Roy Wilson migrated stateside that year, leaving Joe as a solo act. Sticking close to Clancy Eccles, Higgs dropped his solo debut single Mademoiselle on the Clan Disc label in 1970. 
He followed up that year with a Pat Francis collab Know Yourself Black Man, which Clancy released in Jamaica and the UK on his success imprint. Marginal solar hits now under his belt, Higgs finally found his footing in 1971 with a Rupee Edwards production Burning. The single turned out to be a bonafide hit in Jamaica and eventually made its mark in the UK on big records and stateside for New York-based Tranquility. Transatlantic hit by the Christmas of 71, the single Burning would go on to sell close to 30,000 copies by 1972, the same year Joe Higgs seized the opportunity to enter a Jamaican tourist board song competition with his winning entry, Invitation to Jamaica. His first place prize including a trip to New York and a high-energy live performance and on his return to the island, Higgs swiftly moved to create his label Elevation Records. However, fate had another plan for Joe Higgs. Sometime in the spring of 1973, Chris Blackwell signed Bob Marley and the Whalers to Island Records and the band was pegged to make a series of stateside club appearances. But when the final roster was sent to the band, many of the clubs were noted hotspots in the stateside freak scene of the 70s. This realization did not go down well with Bonnie Whaler, who abruptly resigned from the band in retaliation just weeks before the first date. 
Bob Marley quickly sought out Joe Higgs to replace Bunny, who he begged and pleaded to save the day, which Joe Higgs did. The band would go on to open for rock and roll famous Sly and the Family Stone, selling out venues from San Francisco to New York. But when Higgs returned to Jamaica after the tour, he had nothing to show for his effort. Though he had no contractual payment arrangements with Bob for his last minute request, Marley did not use his initiative. And it was not until the death of Joe's brother in 1974 that Marley would extend any financial remuneration to Joe Higgs who used the 1500 Jamaican dollar check given to him by Marley to bury his brother. Lady Luck, however, would take the time to smile on Higgs again. Hot on the success of the Harder They Come film release, Jimmy Cliff approached Joe Higgs to accompany him on the 1974 House of Exile US tour as a solo opening act and band leader. He would make a repeat appearance on the Harder They Come tour in 1975, but one single night on that tour would change their musical relationship forever. It was the best tour yet. The movie Harder They Come had reached US cinemas and Jimmy Cliff was for the first time in the mainstream spotlight. Joe Higgs as per usual opened for Jimmy and kept the crowd warm in between set breaks and the tour eventually caught the eye of a noted white music journalist who published a review of the tour experience including a detailed list of the memorable songs delivered that night. But here is the twist to that tale. All the songs noted by the journalist in the review had been performed by Joe Higgs. Now on reading the review, Jimmy quickly cut him as an opening act, leaving him as band leader for the rest of the tour. Notwithstanding the setback, Higgs returned to Jamaica to cut his debut seminal album, Life of Contradiction, for Micron Music in 1975, which did exceptionally well in Jamaica and the UK. album project featured the now iconic Brooklyn-born jazz guitarist Eric Gale, a move which helped to push the album's stateside sales in 1976 and to this date is still the best-selling work among the half-dozen Joe Higg album projects released in his lifetime. Encouraged by the debut album's transatlantic success, he would cut the 1979 album Unity's Power on his own elevation imprint, but the lack of a proper distribution network, lack of marketing machinery, 
and a very limited press run made the album almost impossible to find and in this hindsight, Higgs lost a lot of money. Bob Marley would step in and offer him a job as a session vocalist on various projects, but Joe was never paid promptly by the gong. A sleight of hand he, Joe Higgs, never expected from his once humble student. The two would go head to head in a heated verbal battle over well overdue 300 Jamaican dollar payment to Higgs and Joe vowed after that incident never to work with Bob Marley again, soon leaving for the US on a self-imposed exile. After a brief stop in New York, he reconnected with a few people he met on the West Coast while touring with Bob and Jimmy and headed to sow his musical seeds in Los Angeles, California. He would arrive to find himself in a new primordial echo chamber of reggae, a spawn of the island sound that would evolve into the Cali Roots soundscape. Bob would pass in the May of 1981 and Rita would ask Joe to groom the melody makers. He refused without hesitation, citing Bob's past transgressions against him as the main source for the cause. Now paid on time and respected by his new community, Los Angeles, California would become his modest home base by the mid-80s. His next generation of students would go on to form their own reggae bands and in many cases backed Joe Higgs on live performances, learning the nuances of stage delivery from the master teacher and a few eventually went on to become big names in the West Coast reggae circuit. His presence in the burgeoning scene was solidified with a 1988 album release, Family, for Sinatra Records, which etched his place as a respected veteran in his new home ground, a reputation he further cemented with 1990's Black Man Know Yourself, backed by none other than Bob Marley's old backing band, The Wailers. Sun is shining, the weather is sweet, yeah. Let you wanna move your dancing feet. I to the rescue, here I am. Want you to know, yeah. By the dawn of the 90s and Roots Reggae's first revival, the legend of Joe Higgs was being embraced by an entirely new generation of reggae fans from around the world who had become enamored with his music and the urban legends, and soon Joe would find himself as a repeat headline act on major concerts and festivals throughout the US, UK and Europe. It would seem by the mid-90s History had finally given him his due. A flurry of artists from all facets of the global soundscape would reach out to Joe Higgs, Lenny Kravitz, British rock band Hot House Flowers, and of course the noted project album Godfathers of Reggae with a rendition of classic reggae hits by Gallaic artists including John Alexander Reed. 
He would even support his daughter's musical efforts with the 1995 album release Roots Combination, a collab album with Marcia Higgs that would also serve as his last full-length album release. But under it all, Joe was unraveling. A routine visit to the doctor in 1996 revealed that the chronic smoker had developed an advanced stage lung cancer, a diagnosis he held close and shared with few. He continued to work at his usual pace, paying no mind to the inevitable, and even started documenting his biography with actor and reggae collector Roger Stephens. In 1998, he would record his final record, Wages of Crime, with UK-based producers Mafia and Floxy on a trip to the UK as Joe spent his last days making preparations for what was to come. In 1999, Higgs would quietly check himself into the Kaiser Hospital in Los Angeles, California in early December and transition a few weeks later on December 18th, closing his life's intrepid chapter. An amazing man who lived for the music and the people around him, Joe Higgs was a legend larger than his own life. And despite the rough and tumble encounters along his four-decade journey, his reputation as a teacher, musical pioneer, and creative influence on the early soundscape of reggae music at home and abroad will forever echo the name of Joe Higgs across the annals of time as a legend of reggae. You have a certain love come from hard struggle, long suffering. A certain love that through pain, gird yourself with that hope for freedom not to give up it may not sound like a reggae now but it is every day my heart is so There's a reward for me. There's a reward for me. Though I'm burning down with shame, there's no one for me to pay. But I shall not give up so easy, Lord.